When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. Today we have a sort of Christmas special. It's not a traditional Christmas special in that it's not Christmas themed at all. In fact, I don't think we mentioned Christmas once. But it is special because we've got a great guest. It's Skin, front woman of Skunk and Nancy, singer, songwriter, DJ and much more besides. It was great talking to Skin. She got properly stuck in and I think her choices are very sound indeed. So I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording it. As I look back at this year as a result of dewy-eyed nostalgia and just as something to do while stuck in Tier 4, it occurs to me that we've got loads of episodes in our back catalogue for you to listen to over this time, and I urge you to check them out, especially if you're new to this podcast. Go and have a browse. Also, it would be a wonderful Christmas present for us if you could subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating too. Before the end of this year, there'll be a new Compact Dicks on Christmas Day. That's where me and James share your special Christmas dicks. So if you'd like to get involved and share the people and things you hate with the world, then please give us a shout. Dickspod.com slash contact to email us or get us at Dickspod on Twitter and Instagram. There may well be another episode of Desert Island Dicks before the end of the year as well, but uh, I'm just waiting to confirm a couple of things. But if not, we'll be back very soon anyway, because we like to keep the dicks coming at you strong, so you won't be without for long either way. And just because I'm feeling sentimental, I'd like to say a massive heartfelt thank you to everyone who's listened to us this year, because we really do appreciate it. And remember, we don't care if you've been good boys or girls, but if you are going to be a dick... Don't be surprised if you end up on the desert island. And now, here's Desert Island Dicks with Skin. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest, and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is singer, songwriter, front woman of Skunk and Nancy, radio host and DJ Skin. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to have a bona fide rock star on, on the podcast. Finally! Ah. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate the title. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on today. How did you sort of find the process of uh, whittling down your choices for the island? I mean, do you find it easy to be negative or is it kind of more of a challenge? Um, yeah, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rocker, you know, all my songs are dark and about horrendous people. Um, but actually, it, it was really easy. But the thing that was more difficult was people. Because right now, don't you feel like in the world there's just so much choice? Yeah. Um, I mean, with food and with other things. I mean, I've just got my, my eternal hatreds of things that should never be on the planet. But when it comes to people, God, that list is long. And it got longer this year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lockdown seems to have bred as like a, a culture of coronavirus wankers, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Know, as, a, as a coronavirus got bigger, so did the tosser. Or the level of tossimation, you could say. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I think it's like as well as like the big heavy hitters in in you know the pandemic. You know, you're spending a lot of time at home, so there's little niggly things that can just sort of like grate at you as well. Exactly. I mean, I think that there's a whole group for me in the people section. You know, conspiracy tossheads. Mm. You know, I I think that that's just a whole group. But you made me whittle it down. So um, yeah, should I give you? Yeah, my, let's my get my straight into what, it. Yeah. What do you want to go for? Well. Um, I think one of the people, one of the kinds of people that annoy me the most, the most are kind of like self-help gurus. Mm. Um, and I would say Tony Robbins is probably my number one yeah. um, all-time hated person in terms <laughs> of that. Because, you know, I mean, I actually, I, actually, I, I, I read a book. I had, a, I had an ex that was really into him. And so she bought me um, the book and I was like, okay, read this. You know, I'm open-minded. And I... Um, read like two chapters and I thought this is just is it just me or is this just common sense written down by a five-year-old you know it's just it seems that they just take the most obvious most commonsensical most logical functional thing to say whittle them down by process of sieve the sieves get smaller and smaller and smaller until they can find four or five words that are supposed to like sum up everything that they're supposed to do so here you go i've got i, I actually researched this <laughs> okay. and just picked out my favorites right my favorites your past does not equal your future mm-hmm. i mean what the cunting fuck is that can i swear <laughs> yeah, on this of course, yeah. i can what what is that your past does not equal your future well no it isn't is it because every year you're a year closer to death <laughs> So I don't think anyone's past is going to, you know, I, it's just this kind of like, you're supposed to read that and go, oh, mm. like this worldwide thing. Here's another one. You, if you can't, you must. If you must, you can. Uh. <laughs> I mean, this is nursery rhyme stuff. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, and you're supposed to break that down and think that, you know, you can't, you need someone. I mean, this is a guy that has tears of, um, like he has the tears of finances that you need to have to be able to go to do his stuff and see his stuff. So, for instance, to go and see him at, um, at, uh, uh, at one of his big stadium things, the closer you get is the more money you get, like a normal concert. Mm. But, you know, you can pay £4,000 for like a you know, couple of front foot row seats for yeah. someone to say to you, um, you don't have a reason to feel good. You're alive. You can feel good for no reason at all. Why live an ordinary life when you can live an extraordinary one? Oh, I mean, yeah. and then if you, if you actually get to um, have a one-to-one meeting with him, that's going to cost you a million dollars. Man, yeah. For an hour. It's crazy, hour. isn't it? Because I think with all these people, that they're standing there sort of talking about their secrets to why they're successful. And it's like no one points out the fact that everyone's paying thousands of dollars to be there. It's a pyramid. Yeah. it's a pyramid scheme and the closer you, you create this mystique about all the stuff that you know and then it's a pyramid scheme to get closer mm. I mean it's just like a, it's been happening for thousands of years you know just behaving like gods and pharaohs um, and just I find that telling you just really basic obvious stuff mm. you know that if you actually sat down and thought about your life and worked it out, especially in lockdown, I think people just had time to do that themselves. So I just, I just think it's a con. Yeah. So I'd say he's probably um, right up there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was going to say a lot of those things that you say, like, you know, when he's sort of on stage delivering it with lots of power and presence and everything, right? 
you know, it's one thing, but when you just sort of say them out loud and read them off a piece of paper, it's like you can just equally imagine them just kind of on one of those sort of cheesy posters of like a beach. Well, that's what they are. Yeah. I mean, that's that's his marketing. You know, that's mm. what they are. That's what. I, and there's no difference to me between a politician does that, um, Tony Robbins does that, a lot of gurus like that. So do um, you know Indian gurus and other people like that who at least have some like years, centuries old, you know, mm. wisdom behind it. Um, and um, priests and, and uh, evangelical people, they do the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and he also says the thing, I'm not Jesus, you're treating me like I'm Jesus, not Jesus. I'm like, well, stop behaving like one. Yeah. And then, you, you know, stop behaving like you are the answer to everybody's problems in the world. Yeah. Because yeah. actually, you know, especially this whole idea that everything you do in your life, it's, yes, it's all down to you and you can change a lot of your life. And some people are, be able, are able to be in the worst situations and can dig themselves out of it. Mm. But there's also a lot of luck involved in that. You know, when you hear those, like, success stories of someone that was born in a slum in Calcutta, you know, having this £15 billion business, mm. that's, that, there's also a lot of luck in there. Right time, right place, right idea, right people. You know, it's kind of like the evolution of man. Mm. <laughs> you know, the reason yeah. why we're here is because we basically killed everybody else and there was the dinosaurs died and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, you know, that's why the mm. planet's here. It's everything went along at the perfect amount of time. Um, and I think that that's not something that everybody can, can achieve to. That's why we have charities, you know, to yeah. look after everybody. That's why we have national health system and all that. So um, I just think this idea that, you know, where everybody's always responsible for everything that they're in. Yes, there is a certain way that you can get out of it. But, you know, there's a million, myriad of people who've tried their whole life to do stuff and, get, try, and they just haven't had that luck or haven't been in the right, t- right place at the right time. Yeah. It's, very easy to, 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 it's very easy to blame the individual and not the system that the individuals are in. Yeah, and also it's kind of, you know, there's probably people who follow him and have spent so much money like, trying to get to this level where they're as successful as him. And then when it goes wrong, they're just like, oh, you know, like, what is it about me? It was that, me, yeah. yeah I couldn't, <laughs> well, maybe I didn't recite my mantras enough every day or, like, you know, maybe I didn't, like, yeah, exactly. visualise the goal or, you know, something. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's how it works, though. If it doesn't work, it's also your fault, yeah. you know? If you, you can follow it to the hill, but if it's something about you, you know, oh, you know, it's actually, you could say, well, you could say it just doesn't work for everybody. I mean, the ex who gave me the book that followed this actually turned out to be a really fucking nasty cow. <laughs> <laughs> out of all of my exes, and I'm friends with most of them. This is the only one that I regret every second I was in that <laughs> relationship with. You know, yeah. um, you know, she, 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 it was there's a myriad of things that were going on behind my back mm. that I didn't know about that I was not sure about. And this is the one telling me that I should be listening to. It's like you're searching for your thing, mm. but you're, the reason that you're in a situation is because you're a shitty person. Yeah. And just just change that about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to have a Tommy Robbins book to do that. And then, you know, things might go all right for you, you know? So um, that's my, that's my I, I guess, my number one. Especially in a lockdown, you know, you hear all these cliches and it's like, do you know what? It's really hard for everybody right now. Mm. And the last thing they need to hear is it's their fault. Yeah, exactly. And just can you imagine being stuck on an island with the guy as well, with that sort of mentality <laughs> as well? You're like, oh, God. Oh, my like, God. I couldn't catch a fish today. It's like, oh, here's why, you know. I think you need to really drill down into, like, you know, your approach. What? You know? like, yeah. What is it about that fish that you didn't want to catch it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I love it. When I saw the title, I cracked. So I thought, oh, my God, this is a show for me. <laughs> 
Well, I could be here for hours. You're nailing it so far. Okay, so who's going to join you and Tony Robbins on the island then? Well, do you know, I'm going to do a heavy one and I'm going to do a light okay. one. Because given this, I really want to avoid political figures because to be quite honest, there's just a myriad. I'm sure you have one every week that's mm. like, that guy's a tosser. But right now, I'm going to just whittle it down to the reason why we're in this situation in England. kind of starts off with Nigel Farage. Okay, good. Um, and I just feel like... That poster, you know, that he did with all the kind of the Syrian poster, the, the hundreds of thousands of people, that image that he did, that racist anti-immigration rhetoric, that pressing people's buttons, that same old thing that as a black person I've heard time and time and time again, the fear tech that you're going to be overrun by people like me and Syrians and all going to be taking money off the National Health Service and they're all going to be like making your taxes higher and then they're not lazy, they just want to get, you know. And that mentality is why we're in this shit now with Brexit, you know. It's like we have no leverage. We've no, you know, we're not getting anything we want to do, want to do. What people voted for, they're not getting any of it, mm. none of it. And actually, economically, we've just made ourselves a much less attractive situation and a much less attractive place to be and a much less attractive place for intelligent, um, you know, the, the greatest minds in the, in the world. Mm. You know, it's not so attractive to come to London anymore because now you've got all these things you've got to worry about. Um, and on a, if I talk about on a personal level, you know, my my partner and, and myself, we have... I mean, it sounds a bit like first-class problems, but I, one of the best things I did with my money was I bought a place in Spain in Ibiza in the middle of the countryside because life is hectic for me. Mm. I've lived a loud life and it's hectic. <laughs> and I, at a certain point in my life, I needed to have... Uh, and it's not an expensive place at all. I was lucky I bought a really nice, cheap place that I've just, you know, developed over the space of 14 years. And now I can't go there, mm. you know, I can only go there three months of the year. Mm. You know, yeah. um, and it's kind of like as a musician, uh, like orchestras, for instance. You know, none of our orchestras are getting any work because we don't. There's no situation, no visas. There's, it's too mm. uncertain. So European orchestras are now getting all that work because it's so tricky to, to get an orchestra to go from one country to another. And so, as a touring musician, you know, it's just made our lives so much harder. And I think that echoes through all of the artists, mm. not just you know. I've got a book out. And, you know, the idea of touring it and doing all this, it's just all so much more complicated. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how does that make Brixton, um, how does that make Britain more attractive? Yeah. And I, yeah. so it's like, I'm, I'm seeing the repercussions of a, a horrendous mistake. The biggest mistake this country has made mm. in, you know, in, in decades. Um, and I think that um, it all started from Nigel Farage using fear tactics and racism mm. and Boris Johnson leaped onto it because he saw a way to being Prime Minister or saw a way to becoming more popular. Yeah. Um, and now we're in a situation three years later and it's just a mess. Mm. It's an absolute mess. And we're hemorrhaging talent, we're hemorrhaging companies, we're hemorrhaging e economically and nobody wants to admit it. And we're not going to be a better country. You know, being a less diverse country is not a better country. Yeah. We are good because we are so open and, you know, the kind of exaggeratedness of what people from other countries are doing. You know, when people come from other countries to England, that's a good thing, you know? Mm. That's a wonderful thing. You know, we learn so much and we gain so much. So Nigel Farage, I would say, you know, fucked up the country then ran away to help fuck up America. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just such a weird thing, isn't it? Just to sort of like... 
think that you're going to be better off by having a narrower field of vision in in so yeah. many ways it's like you know yeah like to kind of look inward all the time and just sort of be more and more scared and isolationist and sort of and it's like we had a, like a really good thing going where we you know we were sort of all pals a bit I mean I'm sure we were like a pain in the ass at the dinner table but it's like it felt like you know you had like a teamwork thing going with a big group of countries it's like that's kind of isn't like why is that bad yeah. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I think that we had a mu- I'm not saying it was all perfect I'm saying that we were in a much stronger position threatening to leave and threatening to have a um, referendum mm. that's a stronger position to be in because that makes everyone else's ears pick up and go oh god if England leaves now we've left and it's been three years they're used to us now they don't really need us they don't really care yeah um, and I think the mistake that Cameron made was listening to Farage and put, being, putting himself under pressure to have a referendum. That shouldn't have happened anyway. And especially how it was based around immigration. Mm. And anyone who says it wasn't is talking bullshit because the message was loud and clear. Mm. We all saw it. We all saw the dog whistles. Um, and now, you know, I think that immigration is what's made this country great. You know, and that's what's why England is amazing, and that's why we have the best music scene in the world because we all have all that lovely diversity. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's like us, New York. You know, there's reasons why, and it's because of that continuing influx of talent and ideas and openness to ideas and mixing it all up. Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do really well in England and London especially. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I I just sort of think well, one thing as well with Farage is. Like, he's obviously an awful, awful person, but it's something about the way he just sort of pops up now and again and then just fucks off again. And you're like, it's not like you're even there all the time being a pain in the ass. You're like, right, I've done my bit for now. I've sort of steered this ship in the direction I want. I'm going to sod off again and... But then see it through, you know? And the point of it is, is that, you know, um, he is not... He's he's a very good speaker and a very good orator Mm. and he's very intelligent in terms of... He knows what, you know, Middle England or the kind of people who are going to be aligned to his kind of view. Who knows what to say to those people to get those people on side. Um, but what he's not managed to do is actually keep a political party um, in a strong position for more than a couple of years. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, you know, his whole idea is, oh, we've got Brexit, now I'm off to go and make money doing a speak. It's like, no, you haven't. That's not what it's about. It's like... As a, I could, my knowledge is like, you know, you spend years trying to get signed. You get signed. You don't just go and sit on the couch and watch <laughs> it all happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to actually make the record, see it through, do all the work and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this attitude of like, oh, we've got it's, the referendum's happened now. I can just go off and just make, you know, make, go and have, eat hamburgers at McDonald's with Trump or, mm. you know, whatever, whatever he's going to do. And, then, you know, and I thought, OK, it's, it, it's been decided you know, maybe Boyce Johnson's at least he's going to be the one. If he's going to, you know, if any, if you're going to get any joy out of this, he's going to be the one to do it. And I think I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed with the awful job that they've done. Mm. Think this arrogance of thinking that they're in this great position when they're left, when they've left. Yeah. It's like you walk out the door and you say, "Yeah, and I want that TV in there," and you're like, "Well, you're, you know, I've changed the locks. Mm. You're not coming in." <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's yeah. my um, second person. No, I agree, and I mean. Crikey, I mean, the arguments you're going to end up having if you're on the island with him as well. Can you imagine that? And, like, he's going to try fencing a bit of it off for himself or, like, talking about how the island used to be and things like that. It's just... Well, you know, you're going to be sitting there next to him realising that 
all he's really looking for is, you know, he's a politician in that smarmy, mm. he'll smile in my face and shake my hand and pretend that we're having a great time. And if a ship comes along and only one person can fit, he'll probably strangle me on the beach and bury me and swim off. You know, it's like yeah. whatever he needs to do to, to get where he needs to get. Yeah. You know, uh, he just strikes him as one of those. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think he's probably, he's a very charming man. He's a very, he's a great orator. Mm. Um, but so is Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning anyway <laughs> yeah i just yeah it's just yeah i mean I, you put it all so beautifully i can't really add much more to it other than i think already you're off to such a great start with a really shitty collection of people on this <laughs> so let's find out who, who's the third person going to be joining you well do you know this is controversial mm-hmm. but um it's not that i think these i couldn't decide which one but it's not that i think uh, these are horrible people I just want to want to be stuck on an island with them, okay. you know, because I'm and I'm going for Lee Francis, you know, Bo Selector mm. or, or Vicky Gervais. I'm not sure which one, okay. but I think that after a point, there's a humour there that is kind of based around just kind of cutting you in half. And I think after a few weeks being on an island with it, you probably want to hit him in the head at night time with a coconut, mm. you know. <laughs> it's like. You know, especially Lee Francis, I think, tips that a bit more. I think there's that annoying side to it, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, that I remember that, that Craig David thing. I just, oh God, if I heard that one more time, I think I want to slip my wrist. And I think if I was Craig Davis, I, I would just be distraught. And I think he was quite distraught about that whole... I think because I think he did leave the country for a while. And I don't know how much of it was to do with that, but I've heard that it didn't... He was really... He was really horribly negative. It yeah. killed his career at the time. Yeah. Killed his career. Yeah. And he was really badly affected to it. And it just seemed that Lee Francis was all taking the piss out of, like, black legends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Sam and Dave and, you know, people like that. So that just niggled me at the time. But I just think they, um... I think that they, like, I, I do like Ricky Gervais's humour when I see it. I think he's absolutely hilarious. And I used to love it when, when he'd be on... Um, what station would he just wander in and out of different studios coming in and just cracking just, is it? Oh, so on, on XFM? Is it XFM, yeah. I love that. Mm. And he would just wander into people's shows and just crack jokes. But then I just, I've definitely seen um, outtakes on the show that he's with a guy that runs around the world just being put in dumb situations. Oh, Carl Pilkington. Yeah, mm. and I've seen the long... I, I saw this... Watch the CD and then I... The DVD. Watch the CD. Watch the DVD. And at the end, there's this long place when they were just talking and I just thought... Mm, don't know what want to be in Ireland with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to go sit and have a two-hour dinner, but being on there an island with him for the rest of my life, I think I might um, mm. might spend like a year crafting the perfect weapon and wait <laughs> to the perfect time. And yeah. when it all came too much, I'd be stabbed in the heart with a bamboo stick. Or <laughs> yeah, he's a difficult one to sort of figure out, isn't he? Because he's obviously really bright and would have some quite interesting things to say, but I kind of. I feel like scratch the surface, there might be some quite dark stuff there, you know? I think, I think he gets a lot of enjoyment from people's uncomfortability. Mm, yeah. And I think if you're watching it, it's funny. If you are, it, it might be. There's a certain aspect of bullying with that kind of mm. humour. Yeah. That I'm like, you know, I can see it. Like, oh, it's, it's great if you were in on the joke and you want to be laughed at like Cole Pinkerton. But I think that there's a, there's a dark side to that. Yeah. that I always see and I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, I think it's a perfect person. You would not want to be stuck on an island for, for like months on end. Mm. 
Well, I think, yeah, the first time he kind of goes, oh, skin, watch this. I'm going to really wind up Tony Robbins with this thing. And you go, yeah. oh, yeah, look, he's, he's not going to like that. That's quite funny. But after a while, when you have to deal with the fallout of Tony being like, what is it with this Ricky guy? He just doesn't understand my whole, like, success. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and, like, you know, what I'm trying to really teach him on this island, you know. And you'd have to have the and backlash. And you're sitting in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and you'd have the backlash. Ricky's fucked off down the other end of the island. And you're like, oh, Do God. You know there was this friend I had at um, university, and his name was Martin, and he was with a group of us, and he was the funniest, he's from Ireland, and he was the funniest humour and the funniest guy that you'd ever seen. And after a year, this is when I was at uni, and after a year, we just realised that it was all against the same person. And that, for the next two years, we spent the next two years saying, why don't you leave him alone? God, you always just... <laughs> and then he, uh, years later, he confessed, oh, yeah, I was in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's a certain bullying aspect there that, you know, that I, I can see in those mm. characters. Yeah. And I think... I, I, Ricky Zervais, I could last a lot longer with Ricky Zervais than I could with Lee Francis. Okay. Yeah, I think the Lee Francis thing, once he'd sort of got a bit in his head, yeah, that would just be it. Whereas I think you could probably... Yeah allow Ricky Gervais to go into different areas and have no, more normal conversations but I think but... I think I think yeah I think Ricky Gervais has got definitely a soft sense uh, of side that mm. he worries about things yeah. more yeah well do you know what because I'm having such a lovely time and I think you're making great argument I'm going to let you put I'm going to break convention I'm going to let you put both of them and then <laughs> and then you know if you... I, do you know I almost persuaded myself it should be Lee and not Ricky actually okay well yeah, right. I'm going to do that All I'm right. going to go okay. for Lee okay. I yeah. I was going to say, because well, once you you've that. been stuck on the Thanks island with that. both of them for a while, then you'll really be able to make your decision and whittle it down to who oh, stays. Yeah. But uh, you'd probably kill the more annoying one and it wouldn't quite work. But OK, so we're going to go with Lee Francis then. Yeah, let's go with Lee Francis. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to know what there is behind all this thing. Like with a lot of that sort of humour, it's like, it's you know, it's quite all right at the beginning. And then you're just like, oh, God, this is all there is. And like, you just sort of, yeah, just slip it. You wouldn't know where he stops and the characters begin. And you're like... Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of repetition of certain phrases mm. that would wind me up. Yeah. You know. Well, he'd start doing impressions of you when he felt like he knew you well enough. He'd like go, oh, yeah. look, this is you. Well, hey, oh, this is what skin does. You're like, oh, please <laughs> yeah. don't show me and what you'd be I like, do. Oh, God. Really? Come on now. Because yeah. this whole thing's about crap impressions, isn't it? Yeah, and just doing like bad yeah. impressions of your song. Can you imagine being stuck on island someone like doing bad... Just, yeah, oh. doing like just because you feel good but changing the, what feels good. Yeah. Finding different things that feels good, that right, that works with the song. Yeah. yeah. No, we do enough of that. In the, we do enough of that in our own band. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, that's the people dealt with. Now, Skin, yeah. mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Oh. Um... This is controversial. Food is just easy. Okay. Just easy. Um, it would be pineapple. Really? Okay. You know, think, let's just break this down, right? Mm. Pineapple. You look at it and it says, don't eat me. <laughs> yeah. It says, don't eat me. I look like shit. I look like kind of hippo shit that's been dried in the sun and someone's wiped it around you know, a melon or something like that, and then sound it so it's squashed. Mm. And then it's got, like, stuff growing out of it, which means it's rotten because it's still growing. Mm. You know, when it's like an onion, when there's, like, a, a shoot growing at the top, it's off. Yeah. You know, you throw it in the bin. And the pineapple's got this big bush coming at the top, so it's like, I'm rotten, I look like shit, don't eat me. 
And then you go to touch it, it's spiky. Mm. says, yeah, I, didn't I not say don't eat me? Did I say, did I not say don't touch? And still, so you get the gloves on and you, try, you need a big old machete to c- cut the skin off, right? And then you see it's yellow inside, which is just pea coloured. <laughs> so it's shit on the outside, it's pea coloured on the inside, right? Yeah. And then you, you know, and it's so hard to peel. You're like, it's like screaming at you. Can you not, can you not understand? What I'm saying to you, I do not want to be eaten. I don't taste good. And then you get it down to it. And then you've, you know, it's, it's been so many years since I've touched the pineapple. So this is from memory and from seeing glimpses on television. And then this fruit, from my memory as a child, is like stringy. It gets in between your teeth. It's all squashy. It's kind of a weird sweetness. Like, you know, in, in um, Iceland... Mm. You know, the, the national dish is fish that, like whale meat, basically. They used to, back in the days, to catch a whale, they used to dig a massive hole, and all the men, fishermen, would stand around the hole and pee into it. Oh, I've heard about this, yeah. Yeah, and then they cover it up, and then a year later, they dig up the meat, this rancid meat, and that's the national dish of Iceland. I'm sorry, Iceland, but, it, you know, it's not that appetising sounding. Even though they don't pee on it anymore, it just tastes like it's been dipped in chlorine. Um, and then, basically... So the, the pineapple is a bit like that. It's a bit like, well, it was off anyway. It was wrapped in shit. Someone peed on it. It's stringy. And then you're, the sweetness is like, kind of like dead cats that have been found. That smell of dead cats have been like, they sneaked over boards and floorboards and then couldn't get out. Not that I ever tasted it, but it's that sweet right. death. <laughs> You know, like when a policeman has walked into a room where 15 people have been murdered and took to bits and they did it, it happened four or five days ago. That, that, and so that's why I just don't get why people like pineapple. And then they put it on pizza. Yeah, which I mean, that's is, pretty weird, yeah. <laughs> why would you put, like, pizza's one of the best foods in the world, why would you put pineapple on it? And when you do that in Italy, they will literally throw that in your face if you do it in Napoli. They'll be like, no. Yeah. And they'll kick her out of the fucking place. They'll be like, do not come in here with your shit ideas and your pineapple on pizza. <laughs> pizza to them is two pints of pizzas. It's um, uh, with tomato and cheese and with um, uh, pepperoni. And that's it. That's it Nothing yeah. else is pizza. That's it. So that's... And I've... Yeah, I still... I still, I mean, people say, it's really good for you, it's really good for you. Yeah, well, so is cocaine. <laughs> you know? I've, I've never what? met someone with, like, such a strong aversion to pineapple. But, I mean, all your arguments make total sense. I mean, I feel like I bought a couple, like, a while ago, at the beginning of lockdown. And I find with pineapple, every time I eat it, I'm like, after all the faff of getting into it and wondering, like, why there's, like more mess than there is actual food i'm always like this is great god i love pineapple maybe it's my favorite fruit why don't i eat these more and then i eat enough of it that i get like chest pains and then i can't eat it again and i'm just like oh yeah fuck pineapple it's sort of it's got that like real acidic sort of like because it's not a citrus fruit but it's it's, got an acid to it yeah it's your stomach saying fuck off (laughs) that's what it is your stomach's like fuck off Mm. you piece of shit why did you put this in here you know, you, I could have had a burger. I could have had something else horrible. Or, you know, I could have had, you know, that Chinese place around the corner that's got the rails and the thing. And, you know, you know that it's like luminous neon red. I could have had that. Mm. And it would taste better. And I would, would have enjoyed it. I would have loved it. 
But no, pineapple is the devil's fruit. <laughs> okay, good. And I imagine, I mean, it's sort of quite a, it is quite a suitable kind of food for a desert island, I suppose. So, you know, it's every likelihood yeah. you'll get them there. And then also, you know, on a desert island, trying to hack up a pineapple neatly with your little kind of sharpened stones and whatever, you know. Yeah, and if you haven't got anything, it's like you can go and just pick an orange and peel it mellow. You can crack it over, you know, mm. and it's lovely, beautiful fruit. It's luscious and it's sexual and everything. And melon... Mm just to me is just like the dry up dried up person in the corner that nobody wants to speak to mm. you know that keeps talking it's kind of like the fruit equivalent of like one of those like lizards that's like bright colors so it's like yeah. don't fuck with me because like, i'm giving you all the warning signs yeah it's it does take a lot of getting into so, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like a kimono dragon it bites you on the ankle then just follows you till you die and then eats you <laughs> it's like yeah yeah awful. it's playing the long game Playing the long game, yeah. Just <laughs> licking at stuff, you know. I'd be like, this, go, go for Lee Francis over there. He hates you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did a really bad impression of the of a Komodo dragon. Over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what would uh, what would your drink choice be? Do you know? Um, obviously, pineapple juice, but that's obvious. Mm. Um, I am going to go for something that you're just not going to agree with and you're <laughs> going to tell me I'm mad, but I'm going to go for um, beer. Okay, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Have, I mean, it does come up a bit. I mean, I think it's... I've said before, like, I think because in this country we, like, idolise it to such a point, it's almost like you're not allowed to not like it. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, do you well, want a beer? Just... No. Do you not drink or something? It's like, yeah, it's no, just... Like other it's, things. Yeah, it's like, you know, that... Oh, and it, you know, I was a child and over all this stuff about beer, 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 beer. And then I actually wrote a song about it called Beer and Olives because, you know, there's certain things that you like as a child, that you don't like as a child, that mm. you grow into, you know. And so for me, it was beer and olives. You know, as mm. a child, I tasted olives and I was like, eh. But then I love olives now and I get them all the time. And beer, I'm always just sipping people's beer because I'm thinking one day I'm yeah. going to find a beer that I absolutely love. It's not going to be in England. It might be in Germany. But the thing about the beer thing is the, the taste is not great, but it's the quantity that you have to have to get any kind of a buzz, you mm. know? Especially October, October, um, you know, fair, the, 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 the... Octoberfest. Octoberfest, especially October. Mm. And they have these... And I'm like, well, that's the size of my whole body. If I... And, you know, the thing... This is a girl thing, right? Mm. When you drink beer, it means you have to go to the toilet a lot more. Yeah. And that's really annoying for mm. girls because toilets are always horrible in pubs and they're all shitty and they're always like, you know, especially in clubs, you just don't have to go and wait in the queue because girls are always, there's always a queue for girls. Sorry. And if you drink beer, if you drink shots, you're great. But if you drink beer, then you're going to have to go every hour and that's like mm. half an hour in the queue. So that means you're on the dance floor or you're with your friend half an hour out of each hour. Mm. You yeah. know, so it's yeah. functionality, a time yeah. issue too. But yeah, I just... um. I just don't like the taste. I've, I'm a wine drinker and I'm a champagne drinker. I'm not a spirits drinker. And I hate tequila. But the reason why I, don't, yeah. I didn't go on about tequila was because I hate it because I just had too much one time and 25 years ago. And now I just think it all smells like shit. I mean, tequila, I think, is the hardest drink to ever come back from. I've done the same yeah. thing to myself. Hard. And like, I used to, like, I could drink it fast, sip it. I loved it. And, you know... And I was like, I remember being at uni, it was quite a cool thing to like, you know, it's like yeah. tequila, it sounds great, you know, you get the accessories. 
But yeah, I mean, once you've fucked yourself over with that, you, it's very the hard to it. climb back up. Oh. I was, I went to Mexico a few years ago, about three years ago, and I, um, they, you know, you've got to have tequila, you're in Mexico. I'm like, I, I really can't. And so they poured me mezcal. I said, okay, I'll have that. And that is not, it's delicious. And I had mm. three of them and I was, I could literally just wobbly legs all the way back to the, the, the mm. taxi. Um, and that, that changed my view slightly. It's been 30 years since I was at uni until that time I got drunk and also on the first kind of talk therapy, actually. Um, and uh, it just, it is a hard drink to come back with, but I didn't put it because I do love mezcal. So I'm mm. slowly, I don't think I'm ever going to enjoy tequila again. And I think you're exactly right. It's, there's something within the smell that just reminds you of vomit in the mouth. Yeah, Once you've yeah. had that five day tequila thing and you just can't go near it. But um, I would say um, I'm still I'm still waiting to um, tonight beer, and I I would, mm. I'll keep tasting it. And mm. the joke that my friends have is like, do you want to taste skin so that you know you can just make a face and say how disgusting it is? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right then, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just loaded with expectation, you know. Like I remember going on the stag do to Germany, and we were drinking those big steins, you know, the two pint. Which yeah. Two. I mean, it was cold outside, so they weren't getting as warm as they would in other situations. But it's like. I'm so full. Like, can we just... I'm really up for getting as shit-faced as possible on this stag do, as is the tradition. But can I do it via another means? Like, why is this the only thing I'm allowed to drink? Like, yeah. why are we having a discussion? Can't I have, like, a vodka tonic or something? Like, anything else rather than, like, two litres of alcohol? <laughs> like... And can you imagine the toilets? You know, it's just people just swimming in piss. Because no toilet can deal with that amount of men drinking beer for that much yeah. i mean you think about it though if in, practically speaking if you had like a vodka and something like or a gin and something you know you'd have a couple you get a nice little buzz on you know you'd be yeah. like yeah i'm enjoying this having a chat yeah. with my mates but drinking beer then you've got to chug them down in certain amounts of time or you're like not manly enough or something yeah. i mean it's it's just something the boys would always go and I, and they'd come back and they were like you guys aren't even drunk we get drunker backstage with two shots than you are now so much alcohol to get the same buzz yeah, you know, yeah. So. and also on the desert island, even if you don't like the drink, you know, you're going to want to get pissed eventually, given your company. So, yeah. like, when you've just had a blazing row with Nigel Farage, and then it's going to take you like five or six pints rather than just like five or six shots, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I'm really like, this is my purgatory, so I can get a bit pissed, so I can wake up hungover with Farage. Yeah, you'd you'd be like hunting around the island trying to find something that can ferment. (laughs) (laughs) What can I make? How can I get something to ferment? You know, seawater or something. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, now, Skin, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Um... Least favourite film is really difficult because there's a whole genre of of film that I just will not watch. Um, And that's horror. And I remember being a kid and loving them because they all look like Bill. I just didn't believe it. You could see that that was not a real head hanging off that string. Um, And I think that that was kind of fun. You know, because you didn't believe it, you were a kid. And as I think time and technology has progressed, now you have film, and I would say the film Saw, mm. and I would say probably, I think, what are they up to, six or seven? Something like that, yeah. And I, 
And it's just, for me, I just find that just, you know, there's images in those films that you have to, that just go around in your head. And I think, how are you going to sleep at night watching a film like Saw? I mean, I don't like, I like thrillers, so I like to yeah. get out. I thought that was hilarious, you know. Um, but when it's just gratuitous, like, violent, disgusting horror, that mm. is just literally just horror, you know, that genre, when there's no story, there's nothing, it's just how evil and how horrible can, can I make this person die? And, and, you know, they're usually young females, whatever. And I just think that the film Saw, I, I think if... I was on a move, if I was on an island and that was the film showing, I think after a while, I would just want to just go in and drown. I'd probably try and swim to Africa and just drown halfway. I think that would be, I just, I just wouldn't want to live anymore because I think you just have nightmares and yeah, you yeah. just get I'm, those images. Ugh. I'm the same. I find it like, there's a point, you know, when there's like a thriller and it's suspenseful and you're like, I'm scared because of what's not happening, you know, and things like The Shining or like some yeah, of the your Japanese mind, ones. Yeah, your like, mind doing it, the horror for you is more interesting. Yeah, yeah, but with these, I'm just like, did no one, like, take the person who wrote this aside and have a word? Because, like, surely there's a point where you're writing such fucked up things, like, someone in a position of authority needs to take you aside and have a word. Because it's like, where does, like... We're getting quite close to snuff at some point. It's like, Ooh. it's getting like... Well, it's one step away from it, isn't it? Some yeah. Of it, you know? Like, um, as part of my job, I often have to make sort of trailers for things like that. And I remember doing it for like, it was something like Saw or some other horror film. And even just like watching the small trailer I had to take clips from to use was oh. like, that's horrible. I can't, and I don't, I guess it's something about being scared, but knowing you're safe. But like, I can feel as safe as I want in my house. I'm still going to be paranoid of shadows and stuff afterwards you know yeah and, and if you try I, I always try and break it down I mean I, I hang out with a lot of boys and they love films like that my guitarist Ace loves that whole, you know he loves it loves it and I'm like but what is it and he just yeah I think it's funny and it's just so gross you know and I think that I know I mean also and I talked about my house in the beef I, I do have a house in the countryside all alone with nobody around and no one can hear me scream. I mean, I literally live in a house like that, you know, so that was the, I think I started watching a film like that the third night I was there and I got into 10 minutes and I was like, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> this yeah. is exactly my situation and that, that was the end. Blair Witch was the last horror film I watched. Mm. That was the last truly, that scared the absolute bejesus out of me. I mean, mm. I was just, that, that, spun around in my stomach and my head for about three years afterwards and that finished me after that I'm like I, this, I'm done with this genre strangely though I do love Asian extreme movies which are also incredibly violent but there's class to it there's skin and there's class to it you know you're not just getting a, a hacksaw and pulling it through someone's stomach and watching their intestines go in circles you know Asian extreme is storylines it's a lot of violence but it's class and skill and all these martial arts and I love yeah. that you know that's yeah. exciting to me yeah if there's a bit of something else like oh yeah well you're also like a great martial artist or something it's not just like you're a total psychopath with like too yeah. many scalpels in a mask yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I have to watch exactly what you do or like yeah or like oh the human centipede ones and things like that I'm uh, only talking about all of these things um, just from hearsay because I've never seen any of these but do you know I mean, what the boys were talking about it and they were going on about the, the, and I was like what's a human centipede and they're like 
they just cracked up. They said, don't tell her, don't tell her. And then they literally refused to tell me for like 24 hours. I said, it's just too disgusting for you. And I'm like, are you, have you, I've got three brothers and I've been hanging out with you for 25 years. What's too disgusting? And they showed it to me and I literally puked yeah. in the corner. I was like, how? And I said, then they made another two or something. I know. it's just... Like, <laughs> just like, who paid for that? I know, it's mad, isn't it? And like, I remember seeing an interview with the director, he's like, oh, you've got to see what we're up to in the third one, it's so sick. And you're like, but should it be? Just because you can, yeah, should you? Yeah, I mean... I mean, it sounds like a Tony who, Robbins yeah. quote, like, gone backwards. Like, just because you can, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm going to put that over a poster of, like, a, of a beach in Thailand, just be like, just leave it sometimes. Just sometimes, leave it, yeah. Just leave sometimes, it. Sometimes, just fuck off and leave it there, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going to put in some kind of extreme horror then on, onto the island with you. So we'll say something from like a box set, you know, like the Saw yeah. Human Centipede kind of oeuvre. And, uh, and what's your song choice? It's always interesting hearing like a, a musician's uh, least favourite music. Oh, gosh. Song choice. Um, do you know, I, the songs that I like most genres of music, but there's things, there's genres obviously that I like more. I'm not so much into rap, so first I went for looking for rap songs, like what songs do I really hate? And then I was like, mm, I don't hate it enough. And then, do you know, the song that keep coming back to me was one of the best artists in the world, which tends to happen, you know, the greatest artists also get to a point in their career where they just make the worst music. And I think my number one song, I would say, is Michael Jackson's Heal the World. Okay, yeah, fair choice, yeah. Because yeah. it's just the most insipid, insincere, cliched, obvious pile of turgid mess my ears have ever heard. Mm. And when you consider my I, my whole child was, was watching Michael Jackson, like a lot of kids, black kids in Brixton, um, and he was the only poster I had on my wall my whole entire life. I never had any poster, I just had one poster of Michael Jackson at 10 with a big afro. Um, and then he gets to this point of career where he makes that. Mm. And I think it's also just my pain about that song is also attached to the fact that he's just such a genius and he's just so amazing. Mm. And he just got to the point where he was just doing what he thought the public would buy. Because mm. that song just says, sell, 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 all over it. There is nothing genuine about that song. That song, all the melodies, all the drum installations, the chord changes, the lyrics, how the chorus comes in, how the middle eight is. Every, as a songwriter, you listen to it and it's just so obvious. You know what they're doing and you know they're trying to evoke tears out of people and be this like, you know, this messiah. Yeah, let's let's just heal the world. Like, okay, you know, if you've got plaster big enough, let's just put it on there then, shall we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what does it mean? What does it mean to say heal the world? It's just such an awful cliche that should not have got past the 60s. Yeah. You often sort of get this with like, like every sort of few years there'll be one. I suppose like the most recent one would be like that Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love? And it's a similar kind of thing. Like every now and again you get this song that goes, hey guys, what if like we didn't kill each other and stuff? And you go... Oh yeah, that's a good oh, idea. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Why am I thinking of that? <laughs> it's like I know. What it's if like... We, like didn't care about race. Like, yeah, black eyed peas. That is a good idea. Like yeah. other people have pointed it out, but still good idea. 
you know. Do you know what I mean? And like that other Michael Jackson doesn't matter if you're black or white. It's like, actually, it does matter if you're black or white. I have a colour. Don't pretend I don't have one. I love my colour and that's attached to my race and my heritage. Don't be, I don't want to be colourless. Mm. You know, I, I'd rather be a thing than I don't want to see a colour. It's like, no, I want you to see my colour. That's what's <laughs> the one of the things that's great about me. It's like, you know, yeah. don't not see my colour. Don't just see people as colourless mm. and all the same. We're not. You've got to love people for their differences. Yeah. That's another one of him, his that annoy me for that reason. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just these people who just become so detached from what they're actually trying to say from the message because they're just living in this fucking rich bubble where they lick gold for breakfast or something. <laughs> yeah. um, and they just become so unaware of... You know, it's when you... When, especially someone who's written a lot of pol- political songs, you have to be aware of, like, well, what are you actually saying, you know? What, what do you want people to do? If you want to write an anti-racist song or if you want to write a song about, you know, the climate, you know, Heal the World doesn't say it because that doesn't do anything or make people get up and do anything, mm. you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you know, Free Nelson Mandela. That's an obvious thing to say. It became an anthem for change, you know? So um, that song, it's just the insincerity and authenticity of it, the lack of authenticity of that song, um really winds me up from such from someone who can do so much who used to be able to do so much better you know but god rest his soul crossing myself as i speak (laughs) um and so i just think he just got to this point where it's just all about selling records Mm. and that's the message he thought would sell records yeah and i suppose as well by the time he'd got to that point there's fewer and fewer people to actually sort of tell him that it's not a great idea like i'm just gonna go along with it but i think as well like Having something that kind of sickly sweet on an island to deal with, that sort of saccharine kind of thing. And like, I mean, Tony Robbins, that's got to be an anthem for him as well. It's like, well, you know, Ugh. Skin, why don't you want to heal the world? Maybe that's just something about you. <laughs> exactly. You know, because... Well, it's, it's all about you. You know, what he's Can doing is offering a template as like healing, you know, and you're, you're turning your back on that. So what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on inside, Skin? What's going on inside? And you'd have Lee Francis were like, yeah, I did a great impression of you, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? about that, yeah, Christ, yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. I mean, I know it off by heart. It just, it, it's so obviously poppy, mm. but it, what a shit lyric that is. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. It feels like that, um, I mean, it's not... Put it in a bucket and shit on it. <laughs> it's not that far away from that old Coke advert, is it? That sort of, like, I'd like to teach the world to sing. It's, like, basically the same kind of deal, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of, uh, well, yeah. You, you know, a Coke advert, at least it's blatantly trying to sell you something. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's like, I buy this Coca-Cola, you know. Yeah. I don't know, Michael Jackson trying to do his, like, cool kind of, you know... Um, message about oh, anyway that's if I if I again if it was me imagine me Lee Francis doing his impression of Michael Jackson doing that song yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's poison dart into the heart oh, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm loving just thinking of the interplaying between all the characters and elements you're putting on this island it's, it's, <laughs> it's very good now we're, we're almost at the end but finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why Anaconda. Anaconda. Mm. I have, oh, you know, a snake shouldn't be that big anymore. Yeah, I mean, very few things should be that big. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, it's just, you could never get a good night's sleep, you know? You just, you'd have to sleep with one eye open. I mean, I have a real fear of anacondas since I actually, um, I didn't study them a bit. I just got obsessed about them. 
um, in my teenage years. And I, I'm one of these people who watch this every um, nature program there is. I've seen everything David Attenborough's done, every single program, everything. And I love all of those nature programs. And whenever they talk about anacondas, I just get a, a thing, a chill going from the top of my head down my back of like, imagine you're in a like Brazilian, you get lost and you've gone the wrong turn on a little yeah. tour or something and then you are at the night time in the Brazilian forest and you know, you, you're you tired, you've been walking for days and you finally have to go to sleep and an anaconda, because they don't bite you, um, they, what they do is they curl around you and they mm. squeeze you to death, crush your bones and the worst thing is about it is they try and eat you, but they cannot eat a human person. And the reason is because their, their jaw, when they go to eat like a pig, a cow or something like that, their jaw dislocates so that they can spread their jaw out and then it kind of goes around like a ball. If you imagine it yeah. dislocates, goes around the basketball. But human shoulder blades are too wide so it can't get round, even if it did it long way, it can't actually get round a grown-up human person's um, mm. shoulder blades. So then it would kind of half choke, and then it wouldn't be able to eat you, and then it would just, you know, go off. So yeah. it tried to eat you, it realised it couldn't. If it couldn't backtrack, then it's going to die. So it's either going to yeah. die eating you, or realise it can't eat you and then you know by then you're dead you're crushed to pieces yeah you're just sort of sticking out of an anaconda like a big tongue yeah but you're still breathing unless one of your rib bones went into your lungs and you that oh, would kill yeah. you pretty quickly but so it's just I mean I've met many snakes and I've had snakes on me you know and, and stuff like that but the idea of an anaconda whenever I see those I'm like spiders and all that stuff creepy crawlies mm. great anacondas no chance no if they if that be, I would just be on the beach the whole time because they won't go. Um, they don't go to salt water. I don't think. No, but they yeah, but they live in like in fresh water, don't they? Cause, they live uh, in fresh water and they live. They live in that... marshes. They live. So you, you know when you see those guys going through up to the you know mm. thigh in marshes and that's where they are. And that's where you need to get your water source from as well. Yeah. So. And if they go, if they um, you know, if they grab hold of you, you can't. You know, you, they're too big to hack. You can't get loose. You can't undo it because they're too strong. Yeah. So once they've got your foot, you're done. Mm. Crocodiles are... Mm. thing. I was going to say, the thing about crocodiles is they're dumb as fuck. Mm. So you, as long as you're behind them or, you know, you can get away from a crocodile because you know they're sitting under the water and they're really, they've got the size of a pea. Mm. Their brain is the size of the pea, of a pea. Not the pea. Their brain is the size of a pea. <laughs> the brain is not the size of a pea. Their brain is the size of a pea. They're really stupid. And so you can... That's why I see people doing all kinds of stupid stuff with them. But anacondas, no. Yeah. I find it something a bit weird about... I don't know, like, crocodile makes sense. It belongs in water. Snakes in water... There's something... Like, I'm not scared of snakes. But a snake in water makes it scarier somehow. I don't know if it's because yeah. you can't see it or because it's suddenly it's got like a, an extra skill where you're like, well, now I can't even jump in the water to get rid of it. or like Faster. Yeah, it's just, it's like, what? what's your game? Like, pick a side. I don't like it. <laughs> you know? I don't like this anaconda. But yeah, anacondas, they just, I feel like they're like a leftover from dinosaur times. You know, like yeah. crocodiles are. And I think that what happened when the, you know, asteroid hit the earth is they slunk into the deepest part of the Amazon that was so deep and wet they didn't get destroyed as badly and they just hung out there for a few million years mm. and just ate each other and got bigger and bigger and bigger and i feel like they're 
either bigger than they used to be or the same size. Mm. You know, and and it's just I just don't think that they're supposed to be that big on this earth. Yeah, I think it's just a mistake. Because I bet the sort of biggest thing they eat, they could probably be a lot smaller to sort of take down the biggest thing they, you know. I also I always think when you see a snake eating, it's like there's no joy there, is there? It's just like yeah, like gobble gobble whole, gobble. Yeah, just put your whole body slowly around an antelope until it becomes part of you, and then you like. Well, I can't move, but I don't need to eat for another month, so that's me done. You're like, you know, I'm not yeah. expecting to pick up a knife and fork. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the lack of limbs negates the use of cutlery, but like, just, just the way they just, like, if they at least ate it quickly, you'd be like, oh, you're enjoying that. It's just yeah. sort of like, like, oh. a, like an oyster or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like eating a loaf of bread really fast and just let it <laughs> sit there, really, like going, you know, eating a giant loaf of bread, sitting yeah. there. I mean, and, and they basically just, all the poisons, and they just slowly, just slowly breaks down. Mm. I mean, what's the fun in that? So then they just have to sit there because they can't move and they're very vulnerable. So yeah. if a liger, a, tion, a, 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 tiger, a lion or a tiger, uh, you know, some kind of like beast comes along, you know, and just rips open and it's got two meals in one, it gets snake and whatever the snake yeah. ate. Yeah, nice. Nice. Well, I think it's a very good addition to your island because it's... I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about anacondas and how bloody massive and terrifying they are. So, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, good choice. Good choice. Thank well, you. Look, Skin, you've done a, an amazing job at um, picking a, a horrendous habitat for yourself to, to be stranded on for the rest of your days. And um, I'm sorry about that, but it has been very entertaining <laughs> and uh, it's just been really fun talking to you. So um, what are you up to at the minute for, for people who want to find out more about you? Oh, well, at the moment, I'm like everybody else. I've changed my life to adapt to lockdown scenario. Um, just, re- I think, like, a lot of artists, you know, we just adapt. So we've, um, uh, like me, a lot of my friends, you know, DIY, we've gone DIY. We've adapted. We've got, I built a new kind of studio set up that does Zoom in and all that kind of stuff properly and is well lit. And I can record here. I've got my, go- I'm learning software. Um, we're going on tour next year. Um, and uh, that's kind of, Probably, given that the first person got, you know, the first vaccines are out now, that's looking like it might happen. So that's mm. going to take up a lot of time next year. Mm. Um, and just collaborations. I've um, got my radio show on Absolute Radio, which has been really fun. I've got a couple more of those to do. Um, and just for the rest of December, just I'm, I feel next year is going to be probably one of the craziest ever if things get going. So I'm kind of just going to enjoy the run up to Christmas and just have a really nice Christmas. Um, I think it's probably going to be mad for the next few years why everybody just kind of realised how much they took for granted <laughs> and everyone's just going to be out all the time and you know gigging all stop yeah. trying to make up trying to make up for the whole year that we've had yeah. so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I spend a lot of time do you know the nice thing now is just having regularity I wake up I work out I have lunch um, I come to my studio I have dinner and I watch Netflix with my other half Sounds like a pretty nice setup. Never had that yeah, in my whole life. Good. Yeah, nice. Mm. Good. Well, thank you again for coming <laughs> on. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's um, been really fun. Thank you for asking me. <laughs>